Uh, it's good to see you all talking and uh, enjoying some connection and, and community this morning. So the concept that I want to work on this morning is kind of connected to this discussion topic that the greatest things that we experience, the most worthwhile things, the things that we step back and we're like, ah, oh, that was so worth it. Those things tend to take a lot of work, don't they? The things that we're most proud of, that are the biggest accomplishments, the greatest things in life tend to take a lot of work. And, and I've got lots of examples, but I thought maybe some of you would be bold enough to just shout them out, something that you shared with your group. What, what's something that you stand back and you're like, man, that was fantastic. It took a ton of work, but we're so glad we did it. Whoa, you guys are awesome. Listen, first service, listen, pat yourself on the back because first service, I was like, talk to me about something and they were all like, you know, so... No. So, okay. Uh, one at a time. Uh, who was in the back? Let's start in the back. Moving to Tennessee. Moving to Tennessee. Ton of work. Totally <laughs> worth it. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, then I heard several other ones. Being a parent. Being a parent. Yeah. Yeah. Ashley's pregnant up here this morning. How many, how many months are you, Ashley? I am 36 weeks. 36 weeks. So, like, that nine months, if you've been a mom, you know, like, uh, birth to baby, this is a lot of work, right? Uh, the dads are like, it takes a lot of work to be a dad, too, but, you know, not really. Uh, so, uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of work, but it's totally, like, there's nothing really that's more of a joy than, than having a baby, yeah. What else? Yeah, Shay. Converting. Converting. Giving your life to Christ. Come on. Somebody say amen. There you go. Yeah. Nursing school, or any school, right? Like, we get these degrees, you don't just, like, Google, somebody send me a degree, you know? Like, it takes a lot of work. Uh, some of us sacrifice a ton and prioritize, make a lot of decisions. Like, when you go through a decision like that, there's a lot of other things that you say no to in order to be able to experience the thing that you want, right? Yeah. Who else? Becoming debt-free. Debt that doesn't happen by accident, does it? Yeah. Yeah, but it's so worth it, so worth it, very good. Shameless plug for our next, next financial peace class, uh, yeah, <laughs> all right. Anybody else? It's good stuff. Who had the most creative one? No. Scripture memory, oh yeah, very good. That, that's a payoff that will just keep going and going and going, yeah, good. All right, listen, this, we could go on and on. I mean, everybody's got a story where if you look back at the things in your life that mean the most, that matter the most, maybe that you're most proud of or whatever, you can look back and see that every one of those things had attached to them some level of work, sacrifice, commitment, dedication, reprioritization, that those things don't just fall in our laps, right? Um, and, and so that's the concept this morning. I think, you know, we could look back in several different cultures throughout history, and there's lots of people that would agree with that basic, like, uh, proverb in life that the greatest things in life take work. Um, you look back and you could talk about the Chinese cultures that over several hundreds of years built the Great Wall of China, right? That thing didn't just assemble itself. It took a lot of work. Or the ancient Egyptians, as they build the pyramids or the aliens or whatever, you know, you subscribe to with how those got, I'm joking, it's the, right? So, uh, so the, the pyramids, you guys with me this morning? You, you with me? All right. So uh, yeah, th they would say those things don't just build themselves. It take a lot of work. We could go to a lot of biblical examples as well. And, uh, and you, you look at Noah and the ark, you know, took a ton of work to get that ark built to be ready for the flood or, or when the Israelites entered into the promised land and took possession of the promised land. In one sense, 
the promised land was a gift, right? But it also required them to walk into it and take possession of it. In fact, at one time, that seemed like too steep of a call. It was given to them as a gift, and yet they walk up to the edge of it in the story of Exodus, and they're like, there are giants in that land. We can't go in there. We can't take possession of that. And they run away from it, so they don't get to receive the gift that it is that they could have walked into until 40 years later, and they actually go in and work out that gift that, they, that they've been given. You could go on and Nehemiah and the wall or Solomon and the temple and, and all the work that it takes. And in fact, you could even go into the New Testament. There's, there's this place where Paul, uh, he, even, he even describes our salvation as something that in a sense requires work. Now, for those of you Christians who have been up for a while and you're like, wait a minute, I'm getting ready to throw a rock. Preacher, salvation doesn't require any work. This is going to require some work for me to work this out. But when Paul talks about salvation, at one point in Philippians chapter 2, right after the passage that we talked about last week, and this is important, the connection is important. Last week, we talked about how Paul was talking about how in the good and beautiful community of the church, how we treat one another with the same mind that was in Christ Jesus. And he fleshes all that out. And then the very next step, he says these words in verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Talk about salvation. Shay, Shay mentioned this, giving your life to Christ, being saved by God, one of the best things in the world for you. It took a lot of sacrifice or cost or whatever. And, and, and Paul says that when we receive this gift of salvation, that we work it out. He's encouraging the people to continue to work it out. There's some effort. There's some work that's connected in some meaningful way with our salvation. Now, this is going to take a little bit to unpack, but I just thought right up front, I want to share with you what I want to say in the message, right? So this is like the whole point of the message. It's in a nutshell. We're going to put it in a theme statement or something like that, and then we're going to spend the rest of the message kind of unpacking this next statement. You can't experience the fullness of salvation in all its glory and mystery unless it gets worked out in your life. And the context in which it gets worked out is within the body of Christ. Be with me. This is going to take a minute to digest. There's two main points. You're not going to experience the fullness of what salvation means in your life unless you give yourself to the process of working it out, whatever that is. We'll talk about that. And when you do that, the context in which we work out our salvation happens in the good and beautiful community called the church. This is what I want to talk about this morning. We're just going to unpack that, all right? So Paul says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I want to back up from that statement because that's loaded. Work out your salvation. I want to say first what Paul doesn't mean by this phrase, working out your salvation. What he doesn't say, and this is really important, he doesn't say continue to work for your salvation. 
Are you with me here? All right, so all of you who are getting ready to throw a rock at me, you can put it down. Uh, He doesn't say continue to work for your salvation. Listen, always and forever, fundamental to the gospel, the reason that it's good news is that salvation is a gift. It's a gift. Maybe you're here this morning and you're kind of exploring faith in God and you're wondering, like, what boxes do I have to check off in order to be forgiven? Like, how do I got to scrub my life up or clean myself up? Or when am I acceptable to God? What kind of work do I have to do in order to receive salvation, to be saved, to be forgiven, to have the hope of spending eternity in heaven? And my, my, my word for you this morning is, like, nothing. Like, just be here, just receive it, like, just, just receive the gift. Salvation, God's forgiveness for every one of us always, comes to us as a free gift of God's grace. We don't work for it. We don't earn it. There's nothing you can do to, like, shine yourself up enough where God is like, oh, Well, that person deserves it now, right? We're all the worst of sinners and in desperate need of God's grace, and God comes by His grace in His love and offers the salvation to us as a gift. Now, Paul, obviously, he says continue to work out, not work for your salvation, but another reason that I know that Paul doesn't mean work for your salvation or like work to hang on to your salvation or something like that is because in another letter, Paul talks about salvation as this gift that you deserve didn't work for and you didn't earn anyway. So in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Don't you love that line? So that nobody can be like, well, I'm such a good holy person that God saw fit to save me. That's not why we get saved. We, we get saved because we're the opposite of that. And, and it's a gift of God's grace that comes to us. Now, it's a little bit of whiplash here because, wait, weren't we talking about how every great thing like, takes a lot of work and costs a lot and, and all that kind of stuff? And yes, and the reality is salvation is this free gift. It's free for us, but it, it wasn't free. It cost a ton. It just, it cost God a ton. He gave up his only son. Jesus took on all of our sins and bore the cost of our salvation in his own body broken on the cross. And so the greatest of gifts cost an incredible amount. It's just that God chose to bear that cost on our behalf. He did that for us. You could also make an argument, I guess, that in a way it does cost us. We don't work for it, but it costs us in the sense that when we come to this place in our life, and maybe some of you this morning even are considering this, where we say, you know what? My life is fallen short. There is sin in my life. I recognize that there's a break between me and my creator, and, and I'm not sure where I'm going to spend eternity. I'm not sure where my relationship with God is even now. When God brings us by his grace even to that point, it costs us something in the sense that our old life gets laid down right there. It costs us, in a sense, our old way of life. 
all the attitudes and behaviors and actions and things that we held on to and the self-centeredness and the greed and the lust and all those things that, that characterized us coming to this point get laid down in the altar. So it costs us all the things that we'd like to get rid of, right? And we're gifted then all the things that we long to pick up this new life in God, the Spirit enlivening us, and this new opportunity of exploring the kingdom of God being brought to life by the Spirit. And so, first off, when Paul says, continue to work out your salvation, he's not talking about earning it, and he's also not talking about working to hold on to it in that same sense. It is a gift given to you in this sense. Blessed assurance, you can be assured of this reality. When you receive it, it's yours. I remember the first time I, uh, I was talking with a, a young man about giving his life to, to Christ. And, and one of the greatest experiences you can have as a Christian is helping somebody like get introduced to Jesus and become a follower of Jesus. And I was maybe in college and, and I was working at a youth camp and he was a kid who had grown up outside of the church and I don't know, somebody had like thrown him in the youth group's van or something and brought him to youth camp that week. And, and he was hearing about Jesus really for the first time and, and saying, what do I have to do? Like, what do I have to do? Like, what kinds of things do I have to do? And, and so I talked to him a little bit about repentance, about leaving your old way of life behind, but he still felt like there was like some work to be done, right? That he had to earn it in some way. And so I described to him, he was about 16 years old, so I thought, okay, this guy's about ready to drive, and, and I, I, or maybe he's just started driving. I said, just imagine like, like you're sitting at home on your couch one day, and somebody knocks on your door, and this dude's standing at the door, and you open it up, and the guy, you, you look out, and in your driveway, there is this beautiful new sports car out there, right? And this guy says, hey, I just wanted to stop by because I love you, and, and I want to give you this car. And you say, what do I have to do for it? Nothing. I've bought it for you. Uh, I've paid the cost for this car. It's yours. And this guy hands you the keys, and what do you have to do for it? Here, the only thing you have to do is, like, reach out and take it, right? We receive it. This is our work that we do to receive salvation. It is a gift that comes to us, and when a gift is given to us, the only work required is to receive it. So I said, that's it to this young man. And, and, you know, like, how silly would you feel if this new sports car was there and this guy was dangling the keys and you shut the door in his face or you, like, left him there dangling the keys? Just take the keys, right? And so this is really what's going on, the kind of thing that's going on when God saves us. But I also want to say that receiving the gift is only the beginning of the story of salvation. Now, this might be a little different, maybe than something you heard. Maybe you thought that, okay, I just put my faith in Christ and that's the end of it. And now I get to go to heaven and all that. This receiving the gift of God's forgiveness, of his adoption as his sons and daughters, of his gra being grafted into the family of God, of being justified in his sight, of being given new life by his spirit. All of these things, receiving the gift of salvation is just the beginning of the story. This is where your new life starts. This isn't just like the end of it and now it's like, okay, can we just skip together to like when I die and go to heaven? Like there's a whole process here now that you get and I get to live into this new reality of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus, when he was walking around the earth, he never called for converts. 
He never went around and preached a sermon and was like, okay, now if you could all just like put your faith in me and then forget about everything else. Like it was always come and follow me. Learn my way of life. He was calling not converts, but disciples to himself. A disciple is someone who uh, beca- like sees the rabbi or the teacher and becomes a student of that teacher and becomes uh, like, con- like convicted about learning how to live in that way of life and follows the rabbi, the teacher, so closely that their life rubs off on them and we learn the rhythms and the patterns and the practices and the attitudes and the behaviors of our teacher. Jesus called for followers. Come follow me, he said. And so... Being saved and restored into right relationship with God is really just the beginning of the story. And so it's from here in full assurance that we are saved and forgiven and adopted and given the promise of heaven that we begin to walk forward in this newness of life. And this is where the fun starts because from there, this is where the, the, the joy of salvation gets worked out in our lives. And that's where that phrase comes in. From here on for the rest of your life, after you've committed to giving your life to Christ, to being forgiven, to receiving salvation, from there, every step of faithfulness along the way is what we call working out our salvation. And if you don't take the steps of following Jesus and you don't learn and and reorder your life and figure out the new attitudes and behaviors and practices and rhythms and, and, and all of those things of the new life in Christ, then you're missing out. Then we're missing out on the fullness of what God saves us to experience, right? Think back to this guy, Uh, The 16-year-old, he gets the car, he takes the keys. Imagine if that happened and the transaction happened, right? He received the gift, it's his now, maybe he signed the deed or whatever. What if he pulled the car into the garage and never got the thing out and drove it on the road? And he just left it there, and it became an antique, and over years and years and years, nobody even knew he had it. He never talked to anybody about it, never showed anybody about it. Every once in a while, maybe he'd check in there to make sure it was still there, but he, would, he never experienced the joy and the thrill of putting his hands on the steering wheel and turning the key in the ignition and feeling the engine rev up under, under his seat, and then, and then like stepping on the gas and moving out into the roads that he's never driven on before, and all of the things that he could have seen and experienced, and all the joy that happens from going like right up to the speed limit, but not over because we don't break the law, now, like all those things that he could have experienced, and it just sat in the car. We would say at that point that he didn't experience the fullness and the joy of what, he, what it means to be a sports car driver or an owner of the sports car that had been given this gift. We'd say he squandered that gift, wouldn't we? I think Paul is doing something really similar here. He's saying, listen, you have been given this incredible gift of salvation. Don't let it sit in the garage. Get out, get in the seat, and drive around and explore this new kingdom of God that you have been given the keys to. Jesus at one point even says that we're given the keys to the kingdom. There's a a scripture in the New Testament about that. Like, this is kind of like get in the car and drive around and work out your salvation. There's a, Paul uses this phrase work out instead of like get in the car and drive. And I think the phrase working out is, is important for us. The way of Jesus 
after maybe a lifetime of learning uh, our own selfish way, a fallen way, maybe a life in sin, that has been natural for us up to this point. And then we get saved and God births a new life by his spirit in us. And all of the ways of God's kingdom, they don't come naturally to us. They don't happen by accident. All of these wonderful things that God has for us to experience, they're not our natural knee-jerk reaction to things. It takes work, for example, to learn how to turn the other cheek, right? Continue to work out your salvation. Now, is it worth it to learn to turn the other cheek? If you've learned it, oh man. Like I can't even begin to describe to you the mystery of the amazing reality of what it's like to make that decision instead of, instead of taking a swing. But it doesn't come naturally, right? And, and so maybe, maybe it's the opportunity or the, the posture of serving others. Well, that didn't come naturally before, but there's a beauty and there's a mystery to it, but it doesn't come by accident. It takes work. You gotta make a deliberate choice to do that kind of thing. Or loving our enemies, for example. Does that come naturally to us? before Christ? No. We have to make deliberate choices, and that kind of stuff requires it to be worked out in our life, and that happens over a lifetime. But the more and the closer we get to walking with Jesus and having His way and pattern of life reflected in our life, the more of the fullness that we get to experience of what it means to be saved. Are you with me here? Everybody following this? I don't want you to miss out on that. Paul doesn't want you to miss out on the driving, on the working out, on the beauty of the depth of what you could be experiencing. And again, it won't happen by accident because so much of Jesus' way of life is counter to everything we knew without or before him, but it is so worth it. Can I just testify to that? I'm almost 40 years old, guys. Uh, a couple months, we'll be doing that. Um, and, and I've been walking with God ever since I can remember, really. Like, I, I remember giving my life officially to God when I was maybe six in a vacation Bible school and inviting Jesus into my life and receiving that gift and having no idea what working it out means. And I'll tell you, there have been times I've driven the car off of a cliff and like wrecked it and run into other people's cars. And, and that's a part of what happens. You get behind the wheel, you take some risk, right? You're going to take some knocks. That car needs to be maintained and cared for and gassed up. And the transmission needs to be, the fluid needs to be changed from time to time. And the oil needs to be changed. You got to put new tires on it from time to time. Every once in a while, you're going to get in an accident and the thing's going to need fixed, but it's still your car and you still get to drive it and so you just get back on the road and keep going and you keep exploring and experiencing all of these things as we work out our salvation now here's you might be wondering what does this have to do with the good and beautiful community series and strengthening the roots and all those kinds of things here's here's where it's all connected um, when I grew up here in this verse continue to work out your salvation it was a very individualized verse your meaning like you Eric and that meant in your prayer closet with your Bible and your prayer time and your devotional time and all those. And listen, I think that's a part of what it means, right? Working out your salvation. Absolutely, that time you spend with God, that private time, super important. Those other spiritual disciplines that you do on your own, very important. But Paul's not talking about those things here. Here, Paul is talking about the way we live together in the body 
of Christ. Remember, I talked earlier and said this passage about working out your salvation comes right on the heels of Paul's, let me just read part of it to you. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, any tenderness and compassion, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And he's talking about how we treat one another in the church here. Uh, Rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In verse five, in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as that of Jesus Christ. And then he talks about the story of Jesus. The whole thing is about how we have, how we relate to one another now that we're living in the newness of the life that Christ has gifted us. And then he says, can we go back to that, uh, that Philippians 2, 12? This is the very next passage. Notice that first word, therefore. And we've talked about this before. When you're reading the Bible and you see the word therefore, that means you have to go back and read what was before it because this is the next natural progression and it's connected to the previous passage. So Paul says, in in essence, now because we've talked about all of this stuff, I'm continuing to talk about your relationships with one another in the church. Continue, continue to work out your salvation. We experience the fullness and the mystery of the beauty of a saved life, and we work out our salvation in the context of the body of Christ. Guys, listen. This is very important. This is just one of the many, many, many reasons why there is no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. Well, I believe, but I'm going to do it on my own and not get messed up with all the messiness of what it's like to live together in the community of the church. The reality is, this is where we're all learning to drive together, right? And we can't work out our salvation without rubbing up against each other. We can't learn to serve one another without one another. We can't learn to love one another without one another. We can't learn to do the things in the kingdom of God way of life if we're not exploring the kingdom of God together. The church body, the church community, this good and beautiful community is good and beautiful because it's the context in which, by the grace of God, lives are getting transformed and people are experiencing experiencing the joy and fullness and bumps and bruises sometimes and transformation and like like maturation process of the gospel. It's good and beautiful because this is the place and these are the people uh, among whom that kind of transformation happens. Continue to work out your salvation. Can we just go to that next slide again? I think my, my theme statement for the message again. I'm throwing Sarah all kinds of curveballs here. You can experience the fullness of salvation. Now you can receive it and it doesn't cost you anything but repentance and saying, I'm turning from my old way of life and putting my faith in Jesus. But you can experience the fullness of it. The worthwhileness of it. Without, in all of its glory and mystery, unless it gets worked out in your life and the context in which it gets worked out is within the body of Christ here primarily, 
Now, it's going to get worked out in lots of different ways in other places, but this is our foundation together. This is our primary playground for learning how to work out our salvation and live into the patterns and attitudes and behaviors and practices and mindset of Jesus Christ. And so, here we are. At the beginning of this next 10 vision plan, I promise you I'm not going to talk about this every Sunday. In fact, I'm going to put it to rest here for a little bit, uh, for, for like the whole month. But we're at the beginning. Of, you see these like vision sheets on, on all of the rows of, of chairs. I expect you all to have these memorized next week. Uh, no. And uh, but listen, that kind of thing is not going to happen by accident either. We're not going to accomplish a, a next 10 vision plan in the next 10 years. We're not going to become the kind of church that, that those kinds of things that we feel like God has called us to without some serious investment, without some serious working it out. And when we start this year with our, with our emphasis on strengthening the root system and building into our relationships with one another and the way we live in community as a church body so that this community becomes the magnetic source of life, and light that people get drawn to to come home to God, that kind of community doesn't get built out by accident. The roots don't go down by themselves. They don't connect by themselves. You're not going to show up here one day without having put anything into it and realize, oh yeah, we're a part of this church that's significantly deeper and more connected and stronger than we've ever experienced before, and it just happened on accident. That's not going to happen. It's going to take us working it out together. So I want to challenge you this morning. I want to challenge you. All of us want to be a part of a great church, and you are. We are. Real Life Community is a fantastic church. It's not perfect. No church is perfect, but it's a wonderful place to be a part of. But if we want the roots to go deeper, if we want them to branch out to be able to support the branches that we're hoping to grow out over the next several years to accomplish this vision plan, then it's going to take more than we've put into it in the past. It's going to take working it out. It's going to take, when you want to accomplish something that's worthwhile, that you're like, man, that was so fun to be a part of. I'm so glad we did that. And all the sacrifice and all that, it was worth it. All of that stuff is going to take, if we want that to be the result, sometimes we're, this year even, we sit down and we examine our life and we reprioritize some things. Where maybe we say no to a few calendar items in order to work out the salvation collectively among us and experience all that God has for us to experience. There, there may be some, some adjustment of life. There may be some extracurriculars that we put on hold for a little while, for a year or something, or for a season, so we can get engaged in some, in some ways so that we can be a part of this process of working out our salvation like Paul talks, us, talks to us about. These are the things that God, by His grace, uses to help build out a good and beautiful community. And I want to be a part of one of those, and I know you do too. And so I just want to challenge you this morning. This year, make a decision. Go a little deeper. Make an extra effort. Do a little extra work. Make a sacrifice. Do something in order that you might be able to experience the fullness of the joy and glory and mystery of being a follower of Jesus Christ in the context of his great body. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this morning. 
Uh, first off, I just want to thank you for this good and beautiful community that you've gathered together. It is a wonderful place to belong. It's a wonderful family. We're thankful, God, for the gift of salvation that you've given us and for the assurance that we can have that, that we don't have to worry about losing it in some way, like, where did I put that thing? Or, or, or we, you know, it's, it's ours. You've given it to us, God. We want to say thank you for that. And now, God, we want to pray that your spirit would drive us to put our hands on the wheels and buckle down and, and step on the gas and pull out onto the road and experience all of the goodness that you have for us to experience in this life of following you. God, stretch us, transform us, grow us, show us new things, new roads, new paths, new things to look at and experience. And God, would you help us to do that together? Um, Father, we pray that if there are things in our life that need laid down, so that we can take up this good work. We pray that you'd help us to do that. If there are priorities that need shifted, we pray that you'd help us reprioritize them. If there are attitudes and behaviors and practices that need dropped and, and new ones picked up, we pray that you would enliven us and give us the grace to do all of these things that we might experience the fullness of the gift that you have given us. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Everybody said. Would you stand? Let's sing together.